Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Broad's Way Through Broadway. I am your host, the broad, Allison Chickrell, and today we are discussing Bye Bye Birdie, the musical. Here to join me is TC Duet. Oh, he's dancing. You guys can't see, but he's <laughs> I, dancing. It's, it's true. The spirit of me dancing was coming through, and I, I wanted to be like underscoring this and be like, but yes, hello. We should put some Bye Bye Birdie underscore underneath oh, that dancing. I think I think so. Yes. Hello, Allison. Hi. Thanks for joining me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. This is very exciting. This is this is a crossover event here at the podcast. This is yes. That is so yeah. That's super special. Uh, So uh, for those of you not familiar with this show, Bye Bye Birdie, it debuted in 1960. Um, It is very 60s score. It's very 60s feel to it. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Featured an awesome cast of Dick Van Dyke. Yes, truth. That's a real thing. (laughs) Cheetah Rivera, Paul Lindy, awesome, awesome cast. Uh, I believe this was one of Dick Van Dyke's kind of like first big deal things kind of Mm -hmm. discovery sort of thing uh the book was written by michael stewart with music by charles strauss and lyrics by lee adams um nominated and won a tony award for best musical best direction and choreography of a musical and dick van dyke won a tony for best performance by an actor in a musical yes Uh, (laughs) love him love him um Man, we should do an episode just about Dick Van Dyke. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. I, uh, I'm I'm excited to talk specifically about this show because the, specifically yes. about him. The Bye Bye Birdie episode might turn into uh, the Dick Van, the Dick Dick Van Dyke Fest. episode featuring a little bit of Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> so, TC, tell me a little bit about your like relationship with Bye Bye Birdie. Have you seen it? Like, movies? Seen it on Broadway? Yeah. Seen a school production? Been in it? Directed it? What? Whatever. What? What is your relationship with the show? I was in this show. Uh, Who are I was you? In this sh- I played Albert. Oh. Now and uh, it was directed by a friend of ours, Jenny Jenny Hoffman. Who oh. you, uh, yeah. Um, I I I knew of the show just by name, but I'd never seen it. I'd never seen the films. I'd never. And uh, the audition came up for it at the community theater out in Burlington, the wonderful Malthouse Theater. Yeah. And I had done a show there previously, so I wanted to just go back and, and play for the summer. So I went and auditioned, and I only read the description, and I tried to audition for Birdie because he's the title character, and he's the cool Elvis Conrad Twitty. Yeah. You know? And I auditioned and, and got cast as Albert. I was like, oh, I'm the manager. Not realizing without <laughs> looking at the show that he's the darn main character. Yeah. Right? He's the, I mean, yes, Conrad's the the title character. The title but, character, but it's one of those, it's one of those interesting ones where the actual principal role is not the name of the character in the title. Correct. Misleading yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I got Albert and I, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is cool. And then I looked into the show and found that not only did Dick Van Dyke play the character, but he had originated the character. Yep. He is the original <laughs> Albert. And this was the dream come true of a lifetime because Dick Van Dyke, the Dick Van Dyke show specifically was so formidable for me because yeah. I would sleep over at my grandma's house. I'd watch Nick at nights and the Dick Van Dyke show was my show. Like that mm-hmm. uh, there, there are things from that show to this day that I, that I referenced that and it and it was just my dream to be Bert and Mary Poppins. And yes. like I wanted so to find out that Dick Van Dyke was Albert, I was like, this is it. This is my chance. <laughs> I will and I crafted my performance to be Dick Van Dyke. And and for for you as a theater person, for our theater listeners here, uh it it's pretty typical to think back at a show and go, I should have done this. Yeah. I should have, right? There's yes. always those little, like, not regrets per se, but just sort of like, I didn't give it all, like, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. That was an opportunity I missed. Bye Bye Birdie is the only show that I can say without a doubt that I gave 100% Aww. and did everything that I wanted to achieve. Like, Wow. I, yeah, I wish I could say that about the production I was in. I played <laughs> I played Kim McAfee when I was she the character is supposed to be um 15, I believe, mm-hmm. 15 or 16. I think she's supposed to be 15, but she wants yeah. to, but she wants to be like 30. Yeah. And 
Um, I played her at the age of 21 and I, I would go back and change. Oh gosh, I would go back and change everything I did. I would go back. <laughs> I, bet I would you were go great. back and change everything I did. I was. Uh, it was my first time having a principal role in a non-school production. I great. I had participated in like you know like local theaters and community theaters outside of school a number of times growing up, but usually you know as like a kid in the ensemble, as a t- sure, kid in the sure. town, a townsperson, you know little kid roles this was my first time having a a principal role in something besides a college show or a high school show so that was really exciting and i would look back and go yep i don't i'm not happy with that let's redo (laughs) every let's redo everything with the note of do it better um (laughs) i would love to do the show again i like i i even went so far as so put on a happy face which is the big one of the big songs from the Mm -hmm. show I, I knew that song. It's that one's so ingrained into pop culture, whether yes. you've even seen the show or not. Most people don't know that that song is from Bye Bye Birdie. Bye Bye Birdie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those shows that just transcended being a theater yeah. song. And um, but that song, as it's written, has a huge dance break in it. Like the the actual uh, how it's supposed to be presented is there's mm-hmm. a massive dance. Like just the band just keeps playing, and it's yep. all the. And uh, Jenny was going to cut it <gasps> from the show. She was like, I'll just trim it down to like a few measures. And, and I was like, no, uh, I will learn every <laughs> step of this. And I have no dance training other than my musical theater upbringing, yeah. right? And thinking I know how to tap dance. I can fake <laughs> it. And I was like, no, don't cut it. I will learn every step of this song. And I busted my butt and I learned. I think she still <laughs> did trim out. Maybe a third of it, but she probably didn't the, tell you. Like maybe he won't notice. Yeah, but we gotta, we gotta get I him done with noticed. this. <laughs> the song just keeps going, and I learned the full dance. And there's a couple Aww. moves from it I still just have muscle memory for. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So, so you played Albert. Um, had you had, and you hadn't, you were not familiar with the show beforehand, obviously. No, as we talked no, about. I didn't. Have Have you seen any other productions of it since then? Yes, I I saw a college production of it, okay. and they tried to modernize it, and that was a oh. very poor choice. No, that doesn't. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be like yeah, in that was, kind of fifty sixty style. Yeah, yeah, it was a very poor choice. Uh, hmm. They tried to make Conrad a Justin Bieber type. Nope, and it did not. Work. And, and and forgive it, my snobbiness, but my no. answer is no. <laughs> there. I, you are correct. There's another tradi- a fine tradition of being in theater. If you've ever seen Waiting for Guffman, surely yes. you've seen Waiting for Guffman. Yes. It's that attitude of like, if they saw us, if they saw us, <laughs> we could be on Broadway, right? Like you just have this love and affection for when you're in the moment. And so it's hard mm-hmm. not to be a little like, well, we wouldn't have done that. <laughs> right. We that's not the way we did it. <laughs> I I used to have um an actual like fear of um whenever I was in a show, um, if I had friends or colleagues or family, you know, anyone who I, I say family, the only family I have that is a theater person is my dad. But <laughs> um, but uh Friends who uh, have been in the show before and I'm in the show now, and whether oh, yeah. or not I invite them, because <laughs> I I just have this fear that they're just going to they're kind of come watch the show and they're going to do nothing but compare. Yeah, and it's it's, it's hard not to. It's hard yeah. not to. Yeah, and they have their connection with their show, so there always is a natural, understandable bias there, no matter mm-hmm. what. Like I try to keep myself like really apart. Like there are definitely shows I've been in where I'm where I'm I would go and see a new production of it, and I can say this was so much better than what we did and like <laughs> yes. I, but yeah. but i'm but i can put myself aside i think it's a director skill type of thing maybe that mm-hmm. i that that i get that from but a lot of people can't do that understandably they just have this connection and it's hard to not compare directly and and you know disagree with like well, we did it this way and it was better and yeah. it's it's a natural thing um the- and bye bye birdie is a really popular choice for schools and community theaters um for a lot of good reasons so there mm-hmm. there's constantly i mean not there there's constantly productions of this going on so it's like you could probably always find one right now you yeah probably, probably find one right now yeah, yeah absolutely in a well school actually you probably theater. couldn't find one right now seeing as the era we live in but well yeah yeah <laughs> all things in being the, equal you could yes. find one right now in the COVID it's, after times they're everywhere 
I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure eventually you'll get to it on the show because mm-hmm. it's a standard of of theater. But Greece, I feel like Bye Bye Birdie is superior to Greece in that they're they're similar because they're similar eras. Mm-hmm. They have a similar fun style to them. Mm-hmm. At least the the high school productions of Greece, which are a little more tame than the the actual version. And I feel like Bye Bye Birdie has more fun to be had in it because there's essentially three stories happening as once with the kids, the parents and Albert and his mom, like Albert's story that, uh, yeah, there's, there's more, there's more to the show as opposed there's to there's an like, A story and a B story. And there's and also, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot more going on. And the, the casting flexibility is there's there's a more versatile cast you know Greece you pretty much need your teens and a couple teachers and you're good we don't mm-hmm. I don't think we even ever see like you know we don't see like little siblings parents, we don't right. see parents we don't see anything like that it's pretty much you need your teens and a couple adults who look like teacher age and that's it yeah. you know bye bye birdie you have Kim McAfee's family you got her little brother you got all of her friends at school you know, mm-hmm. you got all the parents, you have the Albert's mother, who's an older, older person, yep. you know, so you kind of got, you need, uh, I mean, it could be a casting nightmare depending on your turnout, but it's a really yeah. fun opportunity because there's roles for, there's roles for anyone, um, age, age and gender. So, um, the, I have appreciation for that over the, over Greece too. Yeah. So. The, and, and there's a lot of opportunity in to steal the show from any, any place oh, like gosh, your, your yes. Kim could steal the show or, or your, your Rosie could steal it. Like, I mean, she's got mm-hmm. the showstopper, right? Yep. Like what did I ever see in, in him? Mm-hmm. If, if I, if I may for a moment, <laughs> let's get a little personal here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and I played Albert and Rosie's the, the love interest in the show. And in hindsight, I can laugh at this, but at the time it was a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> we, we were sort of seeing each other off stage and mid-production, that all crumbled. Oh. So the the day after that fell apart, we did a performance, and she said, "Saying what did I ever see in him?" And it was, was real. So much fire! Oh my god! <laughs> that I was backstage <laughs> feeling it. I was like, "Ouch!" Ooh. But also, God, she is slaying it tonight. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you can walk out and be like. I'm the reason that she just killed you're, that number. Like no, you've me to thank for that. <laughs> she was incredibly talented, and and boy did she she method that one. <laughs> I'm actually That's tearing so up funny. laughing right now because it was such a such a moment of like typical theater. You have your yeah. back, behind the stage romance, and it's and it's like, a it's a show about a guy who won't commit to his damn girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, she's. So, it, uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She'd be like, "That son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, she'll she'll probably remember. She'll probably remember and be like, "Oh, that was a really good performance." That was. <laughs> like, that was. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, so uh, casting. So we obviously talk about Dick Van Dyke, obviously mm-hmm. as Albert. Um, oh, sure. and I and I totally get what you mean too with that. When you found out that, that the role that you received in the show was a role that Dick Van Dyke played and originated, originated and everything, that, that yeah. just it, it immediately makes it more like more exciting to play. I'm I'm this I'm the same way with roles. I you know I'm a big you know Dolly Parton fan and mm-hmm. uh, Megan Hilty fan, and they both have played Dora Lee in Nine to Five. So naturally, I'm just obsessed with that part <laughs> because it's like two of like my like you know, goddess role models have played it. So I, I I totally understand like that sort of thing. But playing around with um casting, I well tell me tell me what you think of this. I personally would think maybe not now, but in his youth, uh Nathan Lane as Albert. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally what see about that. as him as Harry McAfee now. Yes. Well, I mean, you can't go wrong with Nathan Lane. (laughs) A a younger Nathan Lane playing a very put upon Albert. Uh, Jason Alexander played played Albert in. I liked Jason Alexander's. Nothing compared to Dick Van Dyke, but he was no, no, not at all. But but uh, Jason Alexander and Nathan Lane have a Venn diagram crossover, so I can totally see. Like you can, you. I feel like they can play similar types pretty nicely. Um, But Nathan Lane playing Albert more in his thirties. Yeah, but now playing because Paul Lynn played uh, 
Mr. McAfee. Yes. You know, kids, what's the matter with kids these days? <laughs> like, Paul Lynn has this, like, aggressive personality. It's, it's, it's fantastic for the part. That awesome and voice seeing- that's so unique. <laughs> Yes. Like. <laughs> and 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 imagine Nathan Lane playing playing Mr. McAfee now. Yeah. Right on. That is that is spot on casting. Yeah. Good casting. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other ones that kind of stick out in my mind for for this um is and she's not she's not super well known. I actually follow her on Instagram, but her name is Lauren Zachrin. Um she was in the Harry Potter musical recently and I think she has a couple mm. like Broadway and off-Broadway credits. She's not a big she's not a big name on Broadway. I, she should be. She's marvelous. Um she was on uh she was discovered on the MTV reality TV show The Search for Elle Woods when they had a oh, bunch wow. of girls come in and go through like this process to be the next Elle Woods on the on Broadway and Legally Blonde the musical and mm-hmm. she was the second she was the I think she was the second runner up. And oh, okay. um, I think she would be the world's most perfect Kim McAfee. Like her, her voice and her style, like everything about her is just super perfect. She's she's similar to Laura Osnes, who actually did play Kim McAfee at the Kennedy Center. Um, okay. but in my personal opinion, Laura Osnes' voice totally beautiful, but Lawrence is just a little bit less mass produced. She has just mm-hmm. a little bit more unique tone to her voice which I have appreciation for because I love voices that are like 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 Paul Lynn like a voice where you just you hear it and you know who that is it's him yeah it doesn't have yeah. that generic uh n- and just tangentially mm-hmm. that's some that's something like everyone loves Spring Awakening I couldn't tell you one distinct voice in Spring Awakening because yeah. they all just sound like Broadway voices yeah 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 right? yeah so yeah it's that's interesting I don't I'll have to look up Lauren here but uh mm-hmm. That she has a unique quality to her voice. Yeah, it's is, gorgeous, it, it, but it's but it's unique gorgeous as opposed to uh, a lot of others where it's just like, yeah, she sounds like an ingenue. It's super yeah. pretty, super pretty, super strong, lovely, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I can necessarily just pick her out if I heard her. It's And for a role like Kim, who's supposed to be this very young, trying to imagine she can be older and, mm-hmm. and respectable, uh, it's, it's nice to give... Not an unrefined sound to her, but a distinct sound. That is such a good point about, because I noticed this in the musical Light in the Piazza. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, but uh, Kelly O'Hara was in Light in the Piazza. And um, there's this character who's supposed to, she's, she's a lot like, she's a lot like him. She's, you know, she's young, but she wants to be more grown up and she wants to experience life and everything. And there's something so like, there's something so approachable about a character like that that you almost don't want the singing to be so perfect. You because you yeah, want because you want her to be real. You want mm-hmm. her to you want her to feel more real. And there's something about an overly trained voice that takes away that reality. And uh, finding that balance, especially in a show like this where the characters all have like pretty very distinct personalities, you mm-hmm. almost it's very want, cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, you want that that realness as opposed to like this professional singer she's perfect at perfect at singing on every single note ever yeah, yeah. not that not that there's anything wrong with that sort of performance but yeah it was someone like kim as a character much as yes. we just said the cartoonish nature of all the characters yeah you want someone who can believably pull that off yeah. like still be amazing but um because like rosie that's who you want to be like the blow the doors off the place right Right. showstopper right there yes i totally totally agree um the only other one that i would play around with is and i don't know i can't i i don't always keep up with how like people are aging or whatever but santino fantana um mm-hmm. as conrad birdie i think would be kind of fun he might be a little uh, long in the tooth for it now i don't know how he's yeah. aged but i'm thinking about like when he was on um crazy ex-girlfriend or or oh, when that, I was trying to put the face to the that's, name. Now yeah, exactly Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's the 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 main love interest in in the mm-hmm. first few seasons of that show. He was also the voice of Hans in Frozen. The, the oh movie yes, Frozen. Um, and I just think he's got that kind of like I've heard him sing a number of different styles, and I think he's got kind of that like you know Elvisy kind of heart. <laughs> Gotta have that swagger. Kinda, yeah, yeah. I think he. I don't know. I think he would do. Like I said, he maybe not. Maybe not now, because I I think he might be a little up there, and Conrad should probably be like I think he's supposed to be like in his early twenties, mid twenties, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, he should be. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I thought that I don't know. I thought that would be kind of fun. Who is there? Anyone who you would like to see like 
you know, in any you know, of these I'm roles. Not, I'm not, uh, I, I think more towards, because uh, myself, I never, though I, oh, I was Albert. That's a leading man. I'm much more of a character actor. I like playing Ditto. the, the, the weirdos. I like playing the, the sidekicks and the, um, so I think something more like mama. So Albert's mom and it mm-hmm. was play like when I, we did the show, it was Annie. Um, uh, I don't know if I won't say her last name, but the, the, <laughs> she, to this day, she's still my mama. I say Merry Christmas uh. to her. She says happy birthday to me. Like she was hilarious. And that's a role that doesn't require uh, a massive amount of singing. Not that Annie couldn't sing, but like mama is there to yuck it up and, and just hand Scene it up. Stealer. And, scene stealer like mm-hmm. uh, at one point when albert is finally standing up to her uh when we did the show on our set we're in the mcafee kitchen and annie just it's like that's fine that's fine <laughs> she kneels down in front of the stove and sticks her head in it <laughs> like mama get come on and the last night every night i like played a little differently and and she has her head in the oven and i just stood there with my arms crossed just letting the audience roll while she's like <laughs> And she and I let her stay there so long. She keeps her head in there, and she reached up and started like reaching for the dials to like turn the stove on. Mm-hmm. It was just so having a, having that role, like thinking of someone who has the just the blowhard so, uh, show like stealing uh-huh. uh, comedic chops. I more think like, oh, who would be who's who's right for that? So yeah. it's a uh, and. You know, I think of someone like um, uh, Megan Mullaney would be yes, like just her voice, her presence. And it's like, no, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Just <laughs> break my heart. I'm just go ahead. Flip the dial. Like I can totally see her because oh she can sing. And obviously, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But that uh, that comedic insanity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a good that's a good one. I love that. We we'll, love we'll our dreamcast here. Uh, and. And this is more inside baseball talking. Actually, I shouldn't be making a sports reference in a Broadway conversation. <laughs> uh, for the studio demands it, or the other show that I come from, often we will dreamcast a show, and then I'll make a fake poster for it. Oh, I've and seen those. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, maybe maybe I should do a fake poster for some of these shows. <laughs> those end up. There's a Facebook group called All Things Broadway, and people mm-hmm. people share those fake kind of posters and, yeah. media and media all the time. And people go, is this real? Is this real? Oh. I can't tell you how many ones I've seen for Wicked the movie with oh with the cast, yeah. with the supposed dream cast. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I don't know, I've always loved the game. I do it in real life with my, my friends and like the, you know, actor friends and stuff like that. We do sure, it and, sure. and wait for someone to start a theater company and just do that and do that exact cast. <laughs> but it's fun to do it with like, you know, like Hollywood stars and Broadway stars and just put together like that mm-hmm. kind of, that kind of cast. The perfect it's, show. It's super, <laughs> super fun. Um, well, we have time for a couple of fun facts about uh, Bye Bye Birdie before we take our break here. And I, I actually, like, just found this out. But I say I just found this out. It's possible that I knew this and forgot. You just, you just didn't and file just, it away. And it just, fell, it and fell just on the floor. forgot. You know, when I <laughs> learn something new, it pushes old stuff out of my head. Um, but uh, sure, apparently, that's why I don't know French anymore. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, the plot was inspired in 1958 when Elvis was drafted and the That's, media lost, lost yes. their minds. I didn't know that. Yes. So funny, it's that it's uh, typical of these productions, they cast Conrad as an Elvis type. Right. B- but he's not. He's actually kind of supposed is inspired by Conway Twitty, mm-hmm. which thank you family guy for putting him on <laughs> some people's radars. Ladies and gentlemen, Conway Twitty. And then, yes, let's hear this dumb song for five minutes. But it's typical to cast Conrad as an Elvis type, and that's because the story itself was inspired by, as you just said, yeah. Elvis joining joining the mil- joining the war effort, joining yeah. the army during World War II. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Uh, you so you had the better fun fact in there is that he's not actually like it's it's not supposed to be he's like Elvis he's this mm-hmm. he's this other person but but he's always typecast they always typecast someone who like can sing like Elvis and can be like Elvis it's, and yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the smarter way to go in yeah. terms of. Not Justin of, Bieber. <laughs> right. Oh God. <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. Um, no, such a bad idea. My God. Like 
Ugh. What? <laughs> Don't modernize. Not every show needs to be modernized. Some shows just play them as they're written. And you're talking Ugh. to the queen of modernizing shows over here, and even I don't agree with that. And I and I am <laughs> I am a modernizing you know crazy person because of uh, usually for budgetary reasons, mm-hmm. usually for costume costume ease easing and uh, and and budget stuff that modernizing just every it's everything's more accessible. But sure, only sure. if it. Only if it works. Only if the Only show if it, is not can, overflowing yeah. with references and <laughs> <laughs> to the yeah, it's yeah. But um, uh, some shows the, are timeless. The, some some shows exactly. you can you can place them in the sixties and it worked. You can place them in eighties and it worked. You can place them in twenty twenty and it works. Mm-hmm. You know, well, not twenty twenty. Twenty twenty is a weird year. No. <laughs> Shit, uh, shit, like Romeo and Juliet in 2020. <laughs> Romeo, you stay down you there. Stay okay, there. do not climb this balcony right now. <laughs> you stay down there, socially distanced. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, Elvis. Elvis, there you go. <laughs> Thank you for the brilliant idea, though, of Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, some sort of parody of that in COVID okay. times. With, ma- with masks and social distancing because uh, Shakespeare is public domain. So I'm, I'm all over that mm-hmm. right now. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, so one other uh, fun fun little um, day here is that um, there was a star of West Side Story, Rita Marino. She was yeah. supposed to be in the movie, but, As re- but was replaced As by Rosie? Janet Lee. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that if well, we do you want to talk about the movie after the break? Yeah, like more that, specifically. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a good spot to to stop, and then when we come back, we can talk about there was the 1995 movie with Jason Alexander, um, and then uh, Dick Van Dyke's. What year was that one? Nineteen sixty-three. I want to say we will check that like... during the break. <laughs> <laughs> Fact check it. There's no way to know. <laughs> All right, so uh, sit tight, and we'll be right back in a few minutes after this word from our friends at 6.5 Media. Welcome to our new podcast. Welcome to our new podcast. This isn't working. Agreed. I think we're going to have to do it turn by turn. Well, now that you mention it, we are a brand new RPG video game podcast. Our very existence hinges on turn-based gaming. So join us on the Turn by Turn podcast, where we'll be talking about Pokemon, Fire Emblem, Golden Sun, Shining Force, Mother, and so many more. It's your turn to come and join us. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. back i hope you enjoyed your intermission welcome back to a broadsway through broadway we are discussing bye bye birdie over here with tc who is dancing again still dancing i actually haven't stopped this entire this entire time i've been doing because i'm actually doing the full choreography from put on a happy face love that and that's how long it goes <laughs> that's how long that dance break is and that's why it often gets cut <laughs> The instrumentalists don't want to play it, and the dancer doesn't want to dance it. Um, so we left off. Uh, we left off with a fun fact about the movie, the nineteen sixty three, right? Sixty three. Yeah, I was right. Nineteen sixty three movie of Bye Bye Birdie. Um, 
with Dick Van Dyke and Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. Uh, Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who, that's a, that was a fun fact that uh, so it was Maria, right, from yes. West Side Story was going to be. Yes. I mean, she, Janet Lee did a perfectly fine job. Janet Lee did great. Yeah. But she was yeah, not but, as she was not as well known for her musical abilities mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. as Rita Moreno was. Um, we also had a uh, uh, Maureen Stapleton as Mae Peterson as Albert's mom in that, <laughs> which is super fun. Um, Mama, <laughs> I remember. Uh, I remember when I got cast as as Kim. I I had not seen the movie. I was familiar with the show, but I had not seen the movie, and. Mm-hmm. Um, my my mom recommended it to me because I told her I was like yeah I guess there's two movies but I want to watch the one I wanted to watch the one with Dick Van Dyke, and yeah. uh, and she's like oh well the the uh, the old like you know sixty sex symbol is playing the part that you got so you know and she then she had a bunch of you know inappropriate comments about it like so how many boys <laughs> do you kiss in this show and do you get oh, undressed boy. during this show and it's funny because there is a scene where Kim changes clothes like on stage while singing like you do mm-hmm. like you like do, you do. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but i watched the Anne Margaret version was and it's like yeah i don't know i enjoyed the movie a lot i'm mo- i more focused on dick van dyke in that show rather than the part yeah. i was supposed to be like you As know you researching <laughs> <laughs> well dick van dyke was not a fan of how the movie turned out i don't know if you i know think the, i rem- i think the, i recall hearing that yeah he was against the casting of Anne margaret now one mm-hmm. could look at that from a perspective of ego and that he didn't want to be overshown by someone who was more famous than him mm-hmm. uh, but what what his reasoning behind it was kim's not supposed to be a sex symbol don't cast a sex symbol to play this and play it so provocatively mm-hmm. it's a very uh if anyone's watched mad men there's uh in season two of mad men they discuss Bye Bye Birdie and Silva, um, uh, uh, Sal, um, the art director, talks about wanting to form a commercial around Anne Margaret's, Margaret's performance, and he performs it. Like he gets in his wife's face and does the whole thing, and, mm-hmm. and that's when she realizes that he might not be straight. And, <laughs> um, it's very sexy and 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 suggestive. Yeah. And Dick Van Dyke was like. No, that's not what. No. Well, and coming from the original cast, I can I can totally understand that because Kim's whole storyline is that she's sixteen, but she wants to be she wants to be a woman. She wants to be what Anne Margaret is in real life, but mm-hmm. in order to guess to grasp that, to cast someone who is actually nat- naturally kind of exudes that that type that type of personality. Um, uh-huh. you know, it's kind of backwards. It's yeah. it's like you want someone who's got that natural awkwardness, that natural, you know, ingenuity. Um, yeah, and the, a little the, bit of discomfort. Not have, so, yeah, you don't want the full confidence of someone who knew how hot she was at the right. time. Right, because that's Margaret's what makes Kim so cute. Is that she's yes. she's she thinks she's all this, but she's really just a, she's really just a silly little kid. Like, yeah. You want, Which Anne Margaret does not. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there's a lot of contention behind the scenes. Yeah. That being said, the Dick Van Dyke film is very good. It it's is good. it's a great yeah. time capsule of the era. It's it's it pop, the music pops like it's that I I used to when I was younger would do I'd watch that Bye Bye Birdie and the original How to Succeed in Business without really trying feature film. Because they're they're so similar in aesthetic, yeah, in that '60s colorful cartoonish vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah no it is it is it is good. Um, the uh, I don't remember who's all in the ninth the nineteen ninety five version. Jason well, there's, Alexander, Cheetah, and yeah, uh, Cheetah Rivera. Uh, Vanessa Vanessa Williams. Williams. Plays, I shouldn't have Cheetah Rivera in the original. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa Williams. Um, that's right. Yeah, and then let's see. Tyne Daly. Yes, Ty Daly plays May. Uh, yeah. Annie Phillips, who played, I was praising her before. I wonder how much she she modeled her performance after after uh, Ty Daly. Yeah. Um, George Went is sorry to say to speak ill of someone not very well cast as sure. Mr. McAfee. George sure. Went from Cheers. He's Norm. Uh, very funny man when he's given the right material but to the just 
great Paul Lynn playing yeah. George. Like to And to that's give- the tricky thing is that like we were talking about earlier, you can't help but compare. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And that it's, that yeah. makes it really hard. That makes it really hard when you have like those kind of shoes to fill. Yeah. Um still still a fun show. I think that one the I've only seen the Jason Alexander one once. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh and I thought, okay, this is good. This is fine. This is this is as good as any any uh, community theater high school mm-hmm. production. Like, there's nothing. It doesn't blow the doors off or game change anything. It's just, it's fine. I remember watching. I remember watching both and and wanting to watch the Dick Van Dyke one first because I I, I wanted to see Dick Van Dyke. Um, and watching Anna Margaret going, okay, I'm going to do like everything different um um, none of this but then watching the 1995 version just out of curiosity i found the 1995 version is more true to the stage script yes the dick van dyke movie went went a different way with a handful of things um still good and i still preferred that one but as far as what's more what's closer to the stage script um Mm -hmm. If anyone out there is recently cast in Bye Bye Birdie and wants to check it out, watch the 1995 yeah. one to, for an accurate, you know. Of what you're about to do. Of what yes. you're about to do. But I <laughs> but did it, feel that both, like, Anne Margaret and the the actor who played Kim in the 1995 one, she also was, in my opinion, she was better than Anne Margaret. Um, but I do still still feel like she also was just too mature for the role. And I, yeah. I didn't, I was distracted by that. But I'm also, again... Comparing them to like everything that I wanted to do, um, again comparing and not that's not always fair. <laughs> so no, it's but but it is a matter of like it's it's China Phillips I believe is the actress's name. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was the sexy blonde in mm-hmm. Caddyshack in nineteen in in the eighties, and yeah. so she was too old for the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, which not not to be I'm not degradating anyone who's older playing a younger part that can happen that happens that happens constantly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a matter case. of being able to to tap into that yes. younger. But as we discussed earlier with the original, the original cast uh, exactly the original yeah. exactly. Um, bye bye birdie. Uh, so production aspects was your production what what was your like tech situation like obviously there's not a ton of like you know special effects or anything like that needed for this show which is kind of nice it all takes place in a basic little town which Mm -hmm. is nice but there are a handful of different locations you got the McAfee house you got Kim's bedroom you got Albert's office Mm -hmm. you have the the kind of park area where they have Conrad appear for the first time you have the The train station like the town square the train station train station and the bar um the bar for a scene the the ice shack we uh so to to show just how much obsession and devotion I had to like making this like because I'm like I'm gonna do Dick Van Dyke proud. I designed the set. Really? I designed the set for the show. So uh, what was your set like? We did a rotating set. Nice. So I I pitched it to Jenny to as just like hey we could rotate this set so we have the the house and then the other side could be the train station. You could split the difference and then you have a a room down the middle to go from bar and wherever Rosie's calling and it, it certainly I've seen rotating sets that are phenomenal and I'm not even going to say that ours was like as, as good as, as any bigger theater could do, but the mall house is a hundred seat theater. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a much smaller stage. And yeah, so we, we did a rotating set and, and used the, the movement of the set for like dance breaks in between like scene changes so that we never cut to black except for intermission and, cool. and when the curtain dropped at the end. And nice. it was it was very exciting to to be trusted to design. So I'd never designed a set before, but to go like, all right, here's the idea. We'll put this sucker on wheels and we rotate the thing. Let's do it. Yeah. And so at the end, at the end, when Mama is on the train and she the train leaves without Albert, mm-hmm. she's just standing at the top of the of the set. And then the, the set rotates and she's like (laughs) (laughs) awesome Um, that's that's, how about you though like yeah that's kind of similar uh to an extent we had kind of multiple pieces but we did do uh, a rotating set for part of we had the um the ice house where kim and conrad go 
um, where all the teenagers go to to be naughty. Um, on <laughs> one side, it was the the kind of ice jack sort of idea, and then when you turned it around, it was a um, it was a piece that had like a platform on it with a little fence in front that we used for a train station. Um, and so it just sort of suggested that scene. And then in the back, the the bigger part of the set was um, on one side, it was Kim's, um, it was two levels. So the upper level was was Kim's oh, wow. bedroom. And the lower level on mm-hmm. one side was Albert's office. And the lower level on the other side was the McAfee kitchen. Um, oh, so, and then for like the scenes, like the telephone song, that's kind of like none of those places. We just brought the curtain down and it was just a blank spotlight, spotlight, spotlight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And then for, I think for the bar scene, I, I think we just had a pull out bar with yeah, some stools. Um, and it was, yeah. So that, I feel like, um. Coming from, um, for those of you who haven't heard other episodes, I run a, a very, very small little, like, cute little black box theater in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. 54 seats, real intimate little space. So I'm I'm always looking for ways to work around uh, shows that require multiple locations Sit, in, in the simple show. Simple set. My, simple set. Exactly. My, my, it used to be that I only would consider shows that, you know, have only like two or three locations that we can like, you know, figure out how to do that. And then I started running out of shows and wanting to do all these other shows. <laughs> so the answer became, I will do whatever show I want and I will figure out a way to yeah. make it work. And, um, and because I do want to do Bye Bye Birdie at some point and it is sort of a, technical question of like okay there are a lot of different locations in that show (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're all like pretty basic places but they are definitely very different um and i don't i mean i don't have a set design for that show maybe i'll ask maybe i'll ask you uh, i guess uh, maybe i could help when the time comes (laughs) since you're since you're good at coming up with a set design for a small theater doing doing that big show yeah um i've and i've done more than one uh simplified set and honestly this is a a show and a conversation for another day the fantastics is one of my all-time favorite shows fantastics is the easiest set in in the world (laughs) so any show that i've ever had a hand in from the production side of things i've always thought let's let the actors and the costumes and the music and everything do the work let's make this set as simple as it needs to be Yep. Impressive sets are incredible. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I, you, I, I've seen a Sweeney Todd set that's blew my gourd. But, like, <laughs> when you have a small s- stage space, it's like, let's utilize spotlights and, and gels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's in, and that's interesting that you say that because we have actually gotten um, over at the, at the Box Theater on three separate occasions. We have gotten a comment from reviewers, different reviewers, too, who said something in their review, something along the lines of, I loved that I that nothing distracted me from the actor's performance, and their their base, which was their nice way of saying the theater didn't really have much of a set, <laughs> but they twisted it. But they twisted it into something complimentary. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's like, and, well, it was, they- and I love that because that was my goal. It was like I don't want the the shows to be about. I don't want people walking out going, "Ooh, that set was really cool." I want people going out mm-hmm. like. This person was amazing, and I love so this and so did. stole yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I th- and I think Bye Bye Birdie is good for that. So mm-hmm. those those listening who who are considering shows or are looking to to design a show around, uh, yeah, I, I I think you can have a simple set for this, and mm-hmm. and I, I would love to. I would totally have a conversation with you off mic later about mm-hmm. like, all right, let's let's consider the limitations and and yeah. what can be done there. Yeah. Because I know you're, you're. I've seen, I've been to your your theater. It's a fantastic little place. Oh, thank you. I don't, I don't mean that as, I, as little, but it's because it's small. I <laughs> no, we, like, I call oh. us, I call us small but mighty. <laughs> yeah, you are. That place is great. I've seen a couple shows there. Yeah. Um, I actually can't remember which shows I've seen there. <laughs> that's, not, that's not, that's not good. Um, I don't know. You, you well, you borrowed, you borrowed our space for for filming one of the forty eight hour shows. That's, once. Yes. I don't know if you right. actually the, saw one of the shows there, but you were in that space at the end of a show once to come in and film for the forty eight hour show. Well, regardless, that's I love the space. Yay! <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, so tech aspects. Yeah, I mean, there's there's ways to there's ways to work around it. I think this is a great show. Uh, as we as we somewhat already discussed, it's such a great show for schools and for community mm-hmm. theaters because there are so many fun 
roles. Um, you can make them, you can have a smaller ensemble, you can have a bigger ensemble, you have that flexibility, but there's so many fun characters. And that's been a topic of conversation a couple of my episodes now, how fun these shows are where there's, there's not just, uh, you know, uh, a male lead, a supporting male lead, female lead, supporting female lead, and then an ensemble of like 45. Yeah. You know, this this is one of those shows where it's like there's so many fun character pies. Yeah, and there's plenty of shows that, that have that standard four act struct like but mm-hmm. the shows with like bye bye birdie. It's 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 kind of what I was I was knocking Greece versus this and and to go back to what I said at the beginning of the episode of of Bye Bye Birdie having more to offer. And it's mm-hmm. because and it has every every character in the show could steal the show, and that's those are my yep. favorite favorite shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, our uh, our Conrad Ber- our Conrad Birdie. Uh, he stole a scene in something that was like totally not even pivotal to the plot whatsoever. But there's the scene where he's <laughs> he's he spends the night at 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 the McAfee's house, and he comes downstairs in his robe. And every and Kim and all her friends and her family are there to like watch him. He's gonna come into the kitchen and he's gonna, he's gonna and he's, he's just gonna be in the kitchen. We don't, I don't know what he's gonna do, but let's just watch him because he's because he's yeah. amazing. And our actor came in super slow, like he's like he's like he's hungover, so tired, <laughs> and his robe is like partially open. He looks like he looks like hell. He comes in super slow, waddles over to the fridge, opens the fridge takes this can of, we don't know if it's beer or soda. Obviously, it was soda for the production, but, you know, who knows if he's having a beer at 9 a.m. And <laughs> and drinks the whole thing, crunches the bottle, and lets out the biggest belt. <laughs> and then waddles on over to, to, to Mr. McAfee, call me for dinner, and waddles out. The whole scene, like, I could describe it in two seconds, but the whole scene took probably four minutes. It was so slow and it. long. And the, girl, and the girls are it. just, like, sitting there, like, totally, <sighs> oh, <laughs> like, frozen <laughs> in awe. And it's, like, little things like that. Then there's so many opp- there's opportunities like that for for Albert's mom and for Mr. and Mrs. McAfee. Mac, yeah. um, Kim's, Kim's friend, Hugo. Ursula. Hugo, right? We haven't talked yes. about Hugo. Like, yeah. a smaller role, but totally a potential scene stealer <laughs> and someone who will just melt your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Our Hugo was great. He had a little lisp on him. Oh! And he was so, so great. It was perfect. That's perfect. Um, uh, but the it, and then all there's we haven't really talked too much about the music in here. There's so many. There's some great. Oh my god! Put on a happy face. Sure, talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, got totally a lot of living to do is another. That's it. That was one I was. Got yeah. a lot of living to do is another one that I think a lot of people know the song but don't know that it's from the show because mm-hmm. it's because yeah. it's been redone for just like as regular music. They don't know it's associated yeah. with the show. Yeah. Kids, uh, the telephone call that opens mm-hmm. up the show, like "Hello, Mr. McAfee." Okay, <laughs> nice so telephone, to Barbara Ann. <laughs> telephone is that's a tough one for me because I have this habit of getting cast in roles where the best number in the show doesn't feature my character that I'm cast. I have like that curse <laughs> on me. Like I was, I was hoping anything goes, and I wanted to right. be. I was hoping anything goes, and I really, really, really wanted to be in Blow Gabriel Blow, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like, like seriously, like the one cast member that's not in that number. Um, and it's the same thing with this one. I was Kim. She's the only character that's not in not the in stinking telephone. telephone song, and it's my telephone song is my favorite number. <sighs> Hugo steals that song just because of his squeaky, squeaky non singer yep. voice. Hello, <laughs> Mister. Can I speak to Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's an adorable, adorable number. The, the the show opener, all it's a prop heavy number because all the kids in the ensemble need a little little fifties telephone. Um, and uh, and the entire thing is a conversation among like these kids on the phone and they're all like calling this person, hanging up, and then calling this person, um, talking about how Kim and Hugo are now. You know, a couple, and it's just, it's, it's so simple, but so funny and cute and fun. I don't know. I, I love that number. I think it's super mm-hmm. fun. I want to choreograph it at some point, which I will when my theater does it, but, um, <laughs> it's such an, it's such an interesting number. Um, what was the composer on this? Like who this, wrote, you had mentioned at the top end, yeah. this is a, you had said off mic, this is not someone who has a wide right. library 
Right. So Charles Strauss is uh, wrote the music for this, and unlike um, you know, uh, you know, at like at, in our last episode, Alan Menken, you know, with Little Shop of Horrors, it's like okay, well, he's you know, I can I can without thinking list off twenty five other scores he's written. Sure. Charles Strauss, um, he's got Bye Bye Birdie, and he's got Annie. <laughs> A little, a little show called Annie. Little show called Annie. Have you heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll look um, it up tomorrow. You're welcome. I'll be here all night. Thank you. Yes. Nice. Correct. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, he has obviously done, uh, he has a handful of other credits, but um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, so many of our other Broadway composers usually have, you know, at least four or five big name shows under their belt that have were, you know, Tony nominees or Tony winners or, you know, mm-hmm. just like big name shows, big successful shows. And Charles Strauss over here with Bye Bye Birdie, which is huge, and Annie, which is enormous. And then yeah. everything else he had, I and think his... His next biggest credit would probably be the musical Applause, which also mm. is not a super well-known show. I know it because I'm a huge nerd, but <laughs> even even a lot of other musical theater nerds I know are not even necessarily familiar with that show. Every yeah, and I everything I can else. The poster. Yeah, right. <laughs> everything else he's everything else he's written uh, is. I looked up his credits uh, just to be sure, but I'm not even familiar with a lot of his other credits. But yeah, Bye Bye Birdie and Annie. Do you hear? Do you hear it when you when you listen to the scores? Do you hear the N- knowing now that it's both that that he did both? Mm-hmm. I can f- I sense the overlap when you uh, think compare Telephone to Hard Knock Life. Yeah. Although Annie has, I know this might be strange because I'm not I have no musical training, but Annie to me, especially Hard Knock Life, seems to have more of like a a driving drum like uh, percussive sound mm-hmm. to it, where Bye Bye Birdie has more horn and brassy sound. To okay. It. Um, I might be remembering wrong, but just burning through the songs in my head real fast and thinking of like "Sun Come Up Tomorrow" compared yeah. to compared to uh, what did I ever see in him? Bye Bye Birdies feels more mature for sure. Yeah, uh, I but yeah, I can I, I sense an overlap. I can hear. There's a song in Annie that Warbuck sings. I'm trying to place. I'm trying to place the name of it. I've I've worked this show and done shows like I've seen the show 45,000 times, seen the movie 45,000 times, done the show once, going to do the show again. And I'm drawing a blank on Warbucks, song. Um, but his solo, um, I don't need anything but you. No, that's that the one the, he sings no? with Annie. There's a one he sings okay. all by himself. Okay. Um, Sorry. something right. was anyway, missing. Continue. Something was missing. That's what it was. Something was missing. He sings it to Annie and mm-hmm. I hear something was missing. I hear a little bit of talk to me. The Al- Albert song "Talk to Me," um, yeah. not the not the quartet part of part of it, but just sort of the melody. As like I can hear that there. There's some composers, uh, you know, you can hear you can hear such a resemblance. Like when I listened to well, the first time I listened to Ragtime, I went, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is the guy who did Susical." Like I yeah. knew it. I knew <laughs> it. I was ninety nine percent sure, and then I checked it, and I was right because I'm brilliant. This. <laughs> <laughs> I this I I don't know if I would have been able I I don't know if I would have been able to place it I mm-hmm. I, I would yeah. I don't know if it was if they're that distinctively similar which is cool that's that's awesome for yeah. the composer to have you know that that versatility maybe that's why maybe that's why his other shows failed it's like yeah just give us Annie or Bye Bye Birdie again <laughs> stop get, stop giving us this like diversity in your right? music all right it's not what the people want why is there nothing but accordions in this number no one likes it. <laughs> I don't know why that's the character I chose for making or breaking Broadway oh, shows. Oh, it's a good character. That's, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you're you're probably right. Like, <laughs> um, so we only have a little bit of time left. I'd love to hear, um, favorite favorite scene, favorite line. I have a favorite line in the show for sure. Oh, fa- what's your what's the favorite line? I'm curious. <laughs> And kids, McAfee says, uh, he's, he has these little interjection lines in between the lyrics. Kids, what's the wrong with these kids today? What's and then he these has days? these things that he just speak, the lines that he speaks. And one of them is, I didn't know what puberty was till I was almost past it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's such a funny line that like, I mean, I've seen a couple different um, Harry McAfee. Some were strong comedic actors, some were not. But that mm-hmm. line Anyway, you say that line is hilarious. <laughs> That's just a funny line. That's just a funny thing oh, to amazing. say. Yeah. I, um, do you have any like that stick out? Like the I I very often think of talk to me. 
um, mm-hmm. the the song Albert sings to through the phone with the quartet behind him to Rosie. Yeah. I very often think about that because uh, I have communication problems where <laughs> issues in my life where <laughs> I'm overly communicative until it's something super personal. And then I have to be like, I'm trying to talk to you. I know I'm normally a clown, but this clown just would love to talk to you right now. So I hum talk to me a lot in my head when I'm like, <laughs> this isn't a therapy session. I mean this in, in the good nature it's meant to be where it's like, like, hey, just talk to me. Let's not fight. Yeah. Please just talk to me. Dog. And um, and then, of course, put on a happy face is always Yes. Always a fun Another number that, like, number that I would have loved to be in, and of course didn't feature the character I played, damn yeah. it. But I so always suddenly Kim comes out and start dancing. What's what's this all about? <laughs> I um, always like I always snuck into the rehearsals for that number though, because I loved seeing mm-hmm. that number get put together. In our production, um it was one of my very good friends, one probably one of my longest friends too. Uh, his name's his name's Jim. We've been friends. I think we met in a show and a show a couple of years before we were in Bye Bye Birdie together. Very, very dear friend. And he was absolutely wonderful. Um, and he's he's very he's very Dick Van Dyke. As I imagine you probably were too. Just some little I Dick, would like to hope Dick so. Van yeah. Dykeisms that you threw in there. Um oh, absolutely. He, he he did he did that very much very much too and, and was just just darling in that number. Like mm-hmm. I just loved watching it because the dancing, but also he was just so he was just such an enjoyable person in that in that number. <laughs> and I wanted to be one of the sad girls in it, but then of course I had Come to be on, the one, you know, <laughs> the silly little ingenue trying to find herself and being awkward. But um, mm. but yeah, that uh, I and I only have one other like favorite like I don't want to say favorite more of just something that I'll never be able to forget and this probably backs us up a little bit to our discussion about production aspects with tech Mm -hmm. and things like that the there's the number that Kim performs with um when she uh it's called how lovely to be a woman and the staging of it is that she's getting she's changing from an outfit Mm -hmm. into like you know the way she's singing, you'd expect her to be changing into like a girly, you know, showing off her figure outfit sort of thing, like going like going out trying to look cute. But she's yeah. singing about being a woman and doing all these mature things, like staying up till ten and doing whatever I want and going going out with yeah. boys and all this stuff. And she's changing into sweats and a big baggy shirt, and she ends with putting this like sideways little baseball cap on her head. So it's like, and and, and it's absolutely <laughs> adorable. Well. On our production, as I mentioned before, Kim's bedroom was on the second level. So the mm-hmm. stage is raised, and then we have a and then we have a second level above that. So I had my staging for getting dressed during this song while singing was the most unnatural way to change clothes <laughs> ever. And I and I remember thinking like I had to be careful about bending this way and bending this way because everyone was looking upward. And yeah. it was just, oh my goodness, yeah, there was. It, there was, it was, I remember talking to director coins, like, <laughs> does anyone get dressed this way? And he said, and I, and I, I remember telling him, I said, you know, I'm 21. I'm comfortable if I need to be in my, you know, like a slip or something for like two <laughs> seconds, like I'm comfortable with that. And he says, yeah, but the audience won't be comfortable with that so i was like okay so it ended up being like really goofy and funny that it's like i don't know if anyone was actually listening to my song i think they were more just trying to figure out what is she like what is what is she doing who gets dressed like before she can stay out till 10 this girl needs to learn how to dress herself (laughs) get the parents in here get mrs mcafee in here so it was just like it was it was like I don't know when I think of like my memories from that production that I feel like that always just like stays right in front like remember that really weird way I had to get dressed (laughs) (laughs) I just have I have so many fond memories of that show yeah Yeah, the cast the crew the behind the scenes drama the giving it my all getting to dance like I just have a, a, a a very big place in my heart for for that show yeah well yeah. then it's a really for this show. then it's a really good thing that you be discussed this one together for yeah. this episode thank, you, thank so, you for having me on for this i'm glad that we course. could uh, we could do a little crossover i would love to invite you over to the studio demands it <laughs> and have some fun we yeah. I, I hinted at what i would do if i had you on the show so maybe <laughs> uh Maybe maybe your listeners could head on over there and, and check you out on that eventually. For sure. That would be awesome. Well, okay, so I think we're going to wrap things up here. Um, thank you so mm-hmm. much for listening, everyone. And thank you, TC, 
for joining awesome. me you. here. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone's interested in following um, my cute little theater in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, we are known as the Box Theater Company. We do have an Instagram and Facebook page under that name. Go ahead and check us out there. And um, hopefully you'll see some production photos of our Bye Bye Birdie production sometime in the next few years <laughs> when we finally yes. when we finally get out of the COVID aftertimes and, uh, and can get along with it. So uh, mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think that'll do it for today. Thank you again, TC, for joining joining me. And Thank you. I, I'll do a quick plug for yeah, uh, please do, Studio please Demands do. It. If, mm-hmm. if you want to listen to uh, myself and Jim, it's a screenwriting podcast where we uh, uh, someone gives us a demand and on the spot we have to conceptualize and pitch a film. We have to come up with a full film based on whatever restrictions or demands are given to us. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have Allison on and we are going to do a musical. Woo! So. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yay. All right. Well, thank you again so much for listening to our conversation here on a Broad's Way through Broadway. And that's our final bow, blackout, and curtain. Blackout and curtain.